this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast, regular people on a quest to discover the treasures in God's Word. My name is Matt, and we have today Eric. Hey. He's back, and we have Karen. Karen's still here. Karen's still here. Can't get rid of her. No. So, uh, before we get going too deep into this, I was just thinking, by the time this posts, we're going to be pretty well into the new year. I am not a person who likes New Year's resolutions, but I do get curious about possible goals for the year. So I was wondering if we wanted to just take a quick second to share what we're hoping might happen in the coming year. Like, this is the year I think I'm finally going to get my master's license, master electrical license. My dad, I work for my dad. He's told me, I'm not renewing my license again. It's up to you. If you want to do this, you've got to uh, get yours going. So that's my hope this year is that I'm going to get my master's license. Karen, what do you got going on? Me? Well, there's no... Of course, you did just tell us a little news before we actually pushed the record button. Yeah, I just finished another quarter of school. So I'm working on my master's degree, not master's license, but a master's degree. And um, it does not come with a lightsaber, which is very disappointing. (laughs) Um, It does come with a huge bill, though, and the possibility of a new career. So there's that. Um, I don't yet know which state I'm going to get my licensing in. So since I don't know which state I'm getting my licensing in, I can't actually predict my date of graduation. But during this next year, I will have that figured out. Very cool. So I will probably not quite graduate. I will graduate the year following. But when in the year following, like right at the beginning or forever into it, that will depend on where I'm going after. So that's my my thing. Okay. How about you, Eric? My goal is to do less. <laughs> I was going to say, why does this face look guilty? That's a guilty face. <laughs> not, uh, there, there's nothing guilty about that. I was, looked like he's getting away with something over there. Yeah, I don't know that I'll get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just did a lot of, um, packed a lot of things in the last few years, and I'm hoping to focus a little bit. I don't know if doing less is the right thing. but Yeah. Um, doing more specific. Yeah, focusing a little bit. And as far as specific goals go, um, I have one that I really want to get. I'm building a 50 caliber Hawk and black powder rifle from a oh wow from a box. 50 nice. caliber black powder. Yeah. Is that like two cups of black powder for well, each thing? Like, I, how does that work? It's I'm not done yet. That. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've had that. I've had that in my shop for a. Very long time. Oh my goodness! It's I didn't buy it in the '80s, but it is a kit from the '80s, and um, yeah, building it from parts, and I want to get that done. Yeah, cool. I can't even picture. I need to come over and see this. I can't even picture what that would look like. I want to see it's it. It's Davy Crockett. It's huge. <laughs> Literally, that's what it is. I want to see it. I want to shoot it. It's really bad. Well, then I, I got to hit my goals before any of that's happening. Yeah. I don't know if my shoulder could take a 50 caliber See, black powder that's, shot. That's the beautiful thing about that is you can just put less in. Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can. You can, you can put it in a little bit and then a kid can shoot it because the barrel is, let's just say, heavy. Yeah. Yes. And so um, you can put it say it weighs. You can do it. I don't know if you can get into that part. <laughs> Not that deep yet. Let's just say the instructions are one page. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of figuring out I'm doing. <laughs> Very cool. So, that's a that's a that's a goal of mine. <laughs> awesome. Well, Tracy snuck in on us while we were getting started here. Uh, Tracy, we we're just briefly talking about goals we have for the next year. I was saying I don't like New Year's resolutions. I think they're stupid. But goals is something else. Goals or hopes for the coming year. 
I would say my short-term goal is I have a stack of books that are right by the desk that I have not been able to read yet. Mm -hmm. I'll get them because they look interesting or there's something I want to learn and they're just sitting there right now. Yeah. So I think it's taking them one by one and being able to read through them. Some more reading. Cool. Yeah. Very good. All right. Well, let's get into our study today. Now, Karen, last week, before we jump into seven here, oh, yeah. you <laughs> were desperately looking for a text. I found it once and we were done. You found it. Now, <laughs> if, uh, let me try to backtrack here a minute to try to remember what we were talking about. I believe we were talking about intercessory prayer. Because we were. We were talking about Job praying for his children. And yeah. it seems from the text that he was praying for the sins of his yeah. children. If if my children have, well, how does it, it's right at the beginning of Job. It's like, mm. and then, and then at the, at the end of their week, God yeah, if they, if they curse God in their heart or whatever, then he would do this yeah. for them. And I did find it after we were done recording. Um, and she lost it. No, no. <laughs> she didn't. She just didn't write it down. She's on the right page, but she's got four Bibles on every page, so she's trying to find yeah. the right one. <laughs> yeah. You and James? First John, actually. Okay. Okay, here it is. Okay. <clears throat> so first John chapter five, starting in verse 16. Okay. And it is 16 and 17. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, okay, so that's a that's a whole topic in itself, whatever mm -hmm. that means. You should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There it is again. There is a sin that leads to death. I am not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is sin that does not lead to death. So this is blatantly saying there's levels of sin, and certain levels of sin, you should pray for your brothers and sisters. Yeah. And God will give them life. Okay, so that kind of, it doesn't say God will forgive their sin and it will be as if they didn't do it, but it kind of implies that. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. And, and um, yeah, that's just really interesting to me. I think there's a lot going on with intercessory prayer that, it, well, maybe everybody else in the world understands it, but I certainly don't. Like, what does that mean? Where is this list of sins? Yeah. Can I get a copy? Right. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, that was the, that was the text, first okay. John 5, 16, 17. All right. Well, I just want to give us a second to touch on it before we get jumping into uh, Job 7. We touched a little on Job 7 last week, but um, we'll get in here a little more hard and heavy right now. Now, we kind of left off with Job in the middle of a discourse where... Um, Job's full of them. Yeah. He's, he, you know, he was complaining, and, well, he's still complaining. <laughs> Um, he says, uh, you know, the, the heading here is my suffering is comfortless. Now, let's see here. When you get the, these first five verses here, um, you know, he starts out, is there not a time of hard service for man on earth or not his days also like the days of a hired man? Um, you know, he goes on, he says, I've been allotted months of futility, um, when I lay down, I say, when shall I arise? Uh, my flesh is caked with worms. I mean, he's just not having a good time. Yeah, like worms and scabs. What was that all about? He, oh, my goodness. Uh, I don't know. But um, is he saying that he has spent his life, feels like he's really spent his life in earnest for God, but now his later years are kind of feeling like a waste? That's almost the way it sounds to me. Like he's saying, I've done a lot of, I've really spent my time trying to serve God. And now in my later years, I'm having to go through this stuff, and it feels like it was all worthless. 
And and yet there's this element of at the beginning of seven, he mentions this, and I think he brings it up a couple of other times. There's this element of, yes, my life is worthless. And right now it's really horrible. And since I can feel the end coming and I feel like it might be at any minute, I'm going to get this off my chest. Like there's this, like he's venting bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit, you know, this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit to let his, his friends or, you know, the people that come to sit with him for seven days and not say a word to, you know, when, when they finally do say something, it's what have you done? You know, what, one what se- that, yeah. yeah, the first one, because we haven't got to the second one yet, but the first one is like, what secret sin do you have? Yeah. Because you have to, you had to have done something to do this. Right. And yeah. so I think too, with him saying, listen, guys, number one, I don't feel very good. And if you kind of look at it, he's kind of describing his symptoms. To me, it was, he was giving you a little bit of his symptoms. I'm dry. I'm cracked. Tracy, be a little Tracy's be, in the medical field. I feel like <laughs> dehydrated. Right <laughs> you know, a little itchy. I feel like my skin is crawling. There's, you know, worms. I think he's telling you just how bad he feels. And it's like, you guys aren't helping me out right now. He's like, but, you know, since this is the how you first come at me, I'm going to get something off my chest mm. first. I prefer strangling in death to this body of mine. I was like, whoa, this guy, he's not having a good a period, a period of months, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, yeah. Well, verse 11, I'm not going to, he's basically, I'm not going to hold back. He's just gotten to that point where he just doesn't, he doesn't care what anybody thinks about what he says. Uh, you know, we might a lot of times try to hold our tongue, not hurt people's feelings. But after these guys have been with him for seven days and then the first thing they do is start piling on. Like you know what, guys, I'm I'm done with that stuff. Well, he's kind of in the perfect storm of misery. I mean, he's lost everything in his life. He's lost his family except for his wife, and you know we could put some question marks around that one. Mm-hmm. Then his health fails, and he's just like, what is left? You know, where he says in verse in seven sixteen, yep. I despise my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone. My days have no meaning. Yeah. 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 Now, when I was getting to uh, verse 13 here, we talked a little bit about this last week because we were seeing where Eliphaz, it seemed like he had been having some sort of a dream or a nightmare or something and was basically using that dream or nightmare to um, try to advise Job with it. And it really sounded to me like that dream was coming from not very savory places when I'm talking about, look, God doesn't even trust his angels. Sounds, that sounds to me like Satan talking, you know. Um, but now when we get here, because last week we kind of thought that maybe he was referring to that here. But now in my Bible, every time it says you, it's capitalized. So he's actually talking to God here. So yes. when he says uh, in verse 14, you scared me with dreams and terrified me with visions. It sounds to me like he was actually talking to God when he's oh, talking yeah. about that. That's interesting. So in my parallel version here, if I look over at the New King James, the, the certain ones of the U's are capitalized like right. he's talking to God. Mm-hmm. And I was reading the main column I read is the NIV, and they're not capitalized there, so I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, any of you doesn't capitalize much. So and now I'm wondering if he's talking about other dreams that he's been getting from God, or like he's maybe he's just he's suffering from nightmares at night on top of all of his other physical ailments, or is he maybe talking about the dreams that Eliphaz had been talking about? You know, you scared me with dreams, even though it's Eliphaz who was telling me about it, but I don't think yeah. so. I think it's Job, uh, because it's um, to, and this is a theme that comes up a little bit, 
is he's 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 not only is he got this physical stuff going on, but he can't even rest and sleep. Yeah. So day or night he's tormented. <laughs> and I think to attribute these things all to either coming from God or coming from the devil, maybe ultimately God, I guess, has has a say in these all these things. I mean, he, he does, but he doesn't micromanage everything. Sometimes things happen, mm-hmm. and so I don't know that these terror dreams are coming from God. Is it just it's a it's a reflection? It's the unconscious unpacking of all the stress that he's going through. Because remember, and this comes up uh, later in the reading that we're doing uh, for today, is that probably above all, one of the things that Job has lost that means the most to him is his honor. Mm. Is because everybody is assuming that because he is physically suffering and because he has economically been devastated, that in some way he's done something wrong to offend God and God is not punishing him. That's the central premise of all his buddies. You know, I mean, in 8.3, the Bildad starts out like, does God prefer justice? So he's saying, well, if if the assumption being God does not pervert justice, and therefore you're being judged correctly for something, so out with it. And they keep on going with that. And that's one of the the pushbacks that Job gives is um, this is I didn't do anything Mm -hmm. to deserve this. And I think that's a central theme of uh, of their of their discussion. And at stake is Job's honor. You know, I mean, he's living in an honor shame society, and if you've lost your honor, well, you know, you really don't have anything. And so at this point, Job really doesn't have anything. Yeah. You know, I was looking at it too. Uh, you know, when we see that Satan. You know, when when God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he says, you know, you can test him. Just don't take his life. Right. Well, you know, I think we always think of the physical attributes of the test and how sick he got and how his flesh felt. But what about mental health? You know, I think I think some of those those visions and dreams. Okay, number one, he's probably not sleeping very well because he's he's sick. And when you're super sick, rest is something that's hard to come by. Um, And then two to. Can you even throw maybe in some hallucinations in there? And maybe that was the visions he was having during the day, maybe. you know, and sitting out there. And, you know, when they were, you kind of looked at it. I looked up another thing on, it's kind of funny because I went with the treatment kind of aspect. But <laughs> when you rub ash on your body, that doesn't exactly hydrate you. That's pulling toxins it's out of your body. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's pulling, you know, fluids out of his body. He's sitting in the sun. He's scraping himself with boils. That's you lose water with boils. So, you know, could it be some mental health things too? I'm not taking his life, but I could definitely disturb his mind. Yeah. And, and we I, see and, that a and lot. And I can make him wish he was dead as yeah. we see over and over. You know, and a lot of times we forget that mental health aspect that that plays a huge part. Yeah. Look at a, di- a dichotomy here that we see. You can consider what we were talking about in Genesis where, God would come and he would spend time with Adam and Eve in the garden. And it was, it was clearly almost an expected thing because when they knew he was coming, they would hide. Look at where Job has come here in verse 17 here, chapter seven. What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning. What an interesting place to go from where 
you would hope that God would come and visit you to now, why are you bothering with me yeah. every morning? 19, will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant? Yeah. I a, have sinned. What have I done to you? Isn't that an interesting, I mean, I don't even know how far down we are now. We're not even that far away from the beginning of the world and, and people's attitudes are like, why are you even, and this is a guy who's considered blameless. Yeah. And he's like, why are you even bothering with me? Well, remember that he, they, from their perspective, all of this is attributed to God. Right. Yeah. We saw early that Satan was doing this and he had the power to bring down fire, to to stir up enemy, uh, basically raiders, to create a, a wind from the desert. So Satan's got these amazing powers. And as Tracy said, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if he had the ability to somehow conjure up these nightmares and, mm -hmm. and so on. Um, but for whatever reason, God doesn't step up and say, hey, just wanted to let everybody know um, that's the other guy. He maintains basically until the end silence. And there Job is like, hey, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. uh, because he's attributing the difficulty that he has to God. And he's like, well, well, well the big question is why? Um, but I think that's why he's saying, hey, why are you hovering? You know, because mm -hmm. your hovering is not helping me here at this point. Yeah. Leave me alone. Verse 20 is, I think, that's where really go. powerful. Mm -hmm. If I have sinned, what have I done to you, you who see everything we do? Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? That almost, that 20, I kept reading that over yeah. and over because it almost seems like he knew what was going on. Why would you set me as your target? That's somebody saying, you know what? You are directly gunning for me. Well, oh, he knows that. He just doesn't yeah, well, I'm on yeah. the, yeah, I'm on the thing. So, you know, it almost makes you wonder that, just like you were saying before, that was the mindset then that it was all God. And at this point, he was doing it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that's exactly what he had on his mind right then. It's like, I feel like I'm the target at this point, but I don't know why. There's there's an element of the, of the brain, though, really, the feelings where, you know, we plod along through life and everything's kind of normal. And, and then, and then it feels like things are up to chance and our free will, we can make a dent in the world and we can accomplish a lot of whatever. Okay. Well then, then something bad happens, right? Somebody gets sick. All your children are destroyed. You lose all of your wealth. You know, all of these things go wrong and all of a sudden you feel out of control and you're looking around for the control point. Honestly, mm -hmm. you know, we want somebody in control. We thought it was us, but clearly it's not because now look at this havoc that's wreaking on our life. Right. So who is in control? You know, in, in insurance policies, prime example, modern insurance policies, they call fires and floods and things like that acts of God. Yeah. It's out of control. Even the lawyers who write the big contracts want to attribute it to something. We're going to allocate blame so that we can all feel safe. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yeah. Interesting. Well, there's another point in here that shows up again and again that's, I think, just worth paying attention to as we look at Job is it's Job's, uh, I guess, assessment of what death is. Okay. <laughs> and he speaks of it many times because he'd say, Hey, I wish I was dead and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's in, um, let's see, it's in nine verse, uh, chapter seven, nine and 10 as the cloud fades and vanishes. So is he who goes down to Sheol as the grave and does not come up. He returns no more to his house, 
nor does his place know him anymore. He's pretty well speaking here that they, well, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Like if I leave, I'm not coming back. It reminds me of Ecclesiastes 9.5. Yeah. And a lot of other things. Where, where was that? I, okay. That's 7, oh, seven. Uh, 9 and 10. Okay. Which is that that's a theme that comes up again and again as Job speaks of death. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, you know, David, as he's, as he's uh, pleading for his life, he says, hey, don't, don't kill me because I can't praise you from the grave, which would be an odd thing if you were in heaven when you died. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I just bring that out to say, hey, let's see that theme show up again and again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we could say, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, except that um, in 42, 7 to 9, God says, Job has spoken what's right about me. Um, and the rest of you guys have not. That said, there's a lot Job doesn't understand. And we've got to do a lot of unpacking as to who's saying things that are right and wise. And when God says, you know, you guys have not spoken of me what is right, does that mean everything these guys have said is in the wrong? Or only some things? And to me, that's a real, that's a struggle. It is. Even with Job, because it was Job himself is the one who said, why have you made me your target? He's attributing this to God. Yeah. And so, yeah. in, a, in a way, yes, because God could control everything, but he's not controlling of everything. Yet, this was happening in God's court saying, you know, hey. And it's interesting, I've, I've read in different translations, um, God saying at the very beginning to, to Satan, you know, have you considered my servant Job? As in like, oh, because Satan's basically saying, hey, I own everybody. Mm. everybody's mine. And God's saying, oh, really? Did you forget about Job? Right. Yeah. And another one that I found, I couldn't tell you which one it was, said that God is saying to Satan, I see you've been watching Job. Oh. Essentially, I see you're checking him out. So let's talk about that. Huh. Which is a very different thing than, hey, let's have a game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I bet you 20 bucks that it's, yeah. it's, that it's not that kind of a thing, is that Satan's claimed ownership of everybody. Mm, yeah. And God says, oh, hey, not so fast. That takes it a far cry away from the idea that God and Satan are these two equals that are battling for some kind of dominion. Where it really it's only one has any real dominion and one is trying to challenge. But it really doesn't have a foot to stand on. That's where you get that kind of the devil's advocate. Always somebody in there to stir something up. You know, just constantly poking you know, just trying to get something and showing the heavenly courts that, you know, maybe he isn't just, maybe I could do it better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, and that's when you look at, you know, just the war in heaven was just, you know, I think I can exalt myself above the stars. But going back to that, I was thinking you brought that up when he had the comparison that said, you know, of everything that was said, Job said it right. But it, it threw me back to Isaiah 55, eight and nine for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my, your ways, my ways, declares the Lord, as the heavens are higher than the earth. So it's like, yes, you might want to know what's going on with you, but sometimes you don't need to know. It's bucket paper. Oh, that's quite clearly the case. As God is speaking to Job, Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't get with the spoiler alert. He doesn't, (laughs) um, he doesn't answer the why. Yeah. He says, I'm in charge and let's. Let's get some perspective here. Let's yeah. let's show you some scale in the universe. And at the end, that's what Job gets, but that's enough. 
Yeah. And as we're trying to unpack who's right, you know, does Bildad say what's right? Does Job say what's right? Is this part right? Is that part right? I think this is important where we start looking for themes. Mm -hmm. You know, basically their themes is that Job doesn't say God is wrong or bad. He continually says, hey, if, if I'm going to see my Redeemer in my own skin someday. Mm -hmm. But he's quite clearly here saying that's not going to be at the moment when I die. Um, so Job maintains his faith in God. Um, and his friends are, are blaming Job. Job doesn't know who to blame. Mm -hmm. He's like, what's going on here? Why? Job keeps asking why. Um, but he doesn't blame God for it, at least not as, not as I read this. Um, but he's asking why. And that's, I mean, as I see it, just an overarching theme through the book. Um, Job's friends, as we get into eight here, and we're ready to go to eight? Sure. Okay, yeah. so eight uh, in four to seven, Bildad outlines basically pure prosperity gospel. You know, hey, if you do the right things, everything is going to work out okay for you. But that's, that's his premise. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if things are not all working out for you, then you've done something wrong, fess up. Yeah. Interesting. Today, I happened to, I don't, I haven't read this one in a while, but for some reason, I picked up Oswald Chambers today. Yeah. My most for his highest. What I read from him today almost mirrors what Bildad is saying here. If you're at odds with God, then you must have done something. <laughs> there must be, a, there must be a reason, something that you have done. And if, if you were doing well with God, then thing you would have peace. Well, six says it perfectly. If you, in mind, puts it kind of makes puts it in italics. Is that if you were pure and upright? So mm -hmm. he's already made the assumption. He's once again, just like the first friend, you've done something. Yeah, yeah, that's their assumption. And I think we're talking about the prosperity gospel. Yeah, and the idea that if if we're if we're okay with God, that everything is going to end up being okay in the end is not okay. I mean, that's not right. Yeah. You read Jeremiah talking about, hey, you know, I, basically he's just saying, I don't want to prophesy to these people. This is a miserable job. I'm not happy doing it. He's doing it anyways. Mm -hmm. Really? You know, are these prophets happy? Are they? Are they? And it, so, I mean, I think it's a delicate thing that I think God gives purpose and and a, a deep-seated, um, I don't know if you could say that Job has peace with God, and I don't know that you say he, he doesn't, because he keeps saying, I trust him. Yeah. Because at some level, he does have that. I don't know if peace is the right word, because peace implies happiness, and like, yay, everything's, you know, sunsets. And, acceptance, maybe. Yeah, acceptance, and a, and a, uh, and a level of, like, I don't get it, and I'm not happy. But I know ultimately I'm, I'm betting on you mm. kind of piece. And I think it's very, it's devastating, quite frankly, to be preaching a, a prosperity gospel like Job's friends do. The assumption being if something bad happens to you. Now, we all do stupid things. I won't speak to you guys. Say, I've done stupid things and I have reaped the consequences of those. I've made a choice and later it shows up like, oh, yep, that's how that bore fruit. And I can't blame anybody else for that. 
But there are also things that happen to us that we didn't cause. Yeah. We are born into a sinful world. Bad things happen to good people for the simple reason that we're, we live in a world that is under Satan's dominion for right now. Mm-hmm. And so when we preach this to other people, like, well, if you'd only prayed harder, you know, if, so, I mean, all the disciples. Yeah, how's your died. faith? How's your faith? How come right. that thing didn't work out how you wanted it to? Right. And yeah. so we, we I, I think really, so you would face all the disciples who died a martyr's death and say, did you want to die a martyr's death? Wouldn't it have been better <laughs> to just like live your long life and, and, and die in prosperity? And yeah. wouldn't that have been better? So you're have, you, if you believe that, you're going to have to be willing to face Peter and James, you know, and John. And well, John died, died old, old age, age. Right. They right? Did, they but, tried. but you look at tradition they tried, and they, yeah, they tried, they tried all <laughs> kinds of horrible things. And, and so you look at all, all of these things and even Jesus, right. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, if Jesus really had faith and he's praying, you oh, know, God, if it's, if it's yeah, your will, you know, let it, let it, if it's possible, let it pass. Well, he didn't let it pass. So he must not have prayed hard enough. I don't know. Sweating drops of blood just wasn't, wasn't enough. And I just, uh-huh. I, I say this to say, those who are struggling, those who have pain and suffering should not take the advice of Job's counselor friends and look at this and say, this must have been my doing. Because that no misery, I mean, misery is enough, but then having, blaming yourself for it is only makes it worse. So anyways, just gonna point that out that that's that's a thing that um, that happens and you know the Psalms David talks a lot about the evil evil flourishing David talks a lot about that mm-hmm. hey how come I'm your guy and I'm running away and the evil is flourishing and what's up with that I think it's just like we talked about last week is you know sometimes the you know we brought up that the verse that it rains on the just and the unjust you know you can't avoid getting wet in the thunderstorm and everybody's it's going to happen to everyone. But I think too, speaking for myself is that peace is can be subjective and individualized where sometimes you can find peace in the worst of circumstances, you know, and I think we've kind of talked about this before, you know, the males in the room, not to exclude Karen, but we were talking about um, health struggles with our spouse and, um, if you don't mind me sharing Matt, that okay. I think when my wife was ill, my prayer life increased. Yeah. My faith increased. Yeah. Was it a, a terrible time for my family and myself? Sure. But I did have a peace in that I think my prayer life increased, which, you know, when you do have those kind of trials and tribulations that you find refuge in where you find your strength. I think that's why they call it the peace that passes understanding, understanding. because yes. all, if your point of view is only here and now, mm-hmm. there was there would be no way to find peace. It doesn't exist. Right. You're, you have to your gaze has to be a little higher. You know, yeah. and when I look at how Job's talking, you know, it still makes me say that you know because there for a while it was like don't question God, don't ever question what God does or what you're going through or you know and to accept it and to to move on or, you know, continue the fight or the struggle or what have you. But my thing is, you know, Job all throughout this, why? Yeah. He's questioning. He's not, Mm -hmm. I don't know that he's, if he crosses the line into blaming 
and I'm not sure if there is a line, right. but he's <laughs> definitely doing a lot of questioning. Mm -hmm. So this idea of dom of dominion that you were talking about earlier, Matt, mm -hmm. um, it, I, I, so many times whenever I read any part of Job, I remember these, these references that Jesus makes in the New Testament about who is the ruler of this world. So one of them is when he's being baptized. So he comes up out of the water after being baptized with John the Baptist, and a voice comes from heaven. And Jesus says, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Right? Yeah. So he's he's openly calling Satan the prince of this world. Oh, yeah. There is mm -hmm. some dominion. Oh, yeah. It is not ultimate dominion, yeah. and it is not forever dominion, but there is some. He's okay, occupying. So, yeah. He is the, he is the, the occupant ruler, and yeah. you have to. You have to unsubscribe to his tyranny in order to get on the other side. Yeah. Like you don't get to just be neutral, even though you kind of wish you could. So that was in John 12, 30. And then a couple of chapters later in John 14, in verses, starts in verse 30. Again, he says, um, I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but he comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Seriously? Hmm. Satan comes so that the world may learn. That's kind of That's interesting. But there again, there's that acknowledgement of the immediate dominion. Yeah. So like Job is in the crossfire. Yeah. And, and in this case, very, very focused crossfire. He doesn't even know. Yeah. Well, I think it kind of goes back to what Matt said just last week about the world as a stage. You know, did we get back back to, you know, when they were going to and fro and there was a council somewhere? And it's, yeah. you know, are we on stage as a fallen world? This is what happens with sin. Yeah. You know, and you need to recognize exactly you know, what the consequences are. And, you know, I was, I shared that last week about ideally when I was looking in the uh, great controversy and Adam was meant to be the person that kind of represented the world, you know, from, from the inception at the garden of Eden, he was the perfect specimen. Um, but once sin took over, that's when Satan kind of assumed control. Mm-hmm. You know, this was your divine plan. This was how it all worked out. And he wanted at that point. put the proverbial wrench in the plan. Yeah. And now yeah. it's mine. So I'm going to travel to and fro in and out of it because I can. It's for lack of a better term. It's my house now. Right. Yeah, I think that's exactly what was going on in, in the early part of Job. When he says I'm walking to and fro, I don't think he meant he was trying to get his steps in. No, <laughs> he was. Um, he's making a statement. Yeah, this is mine. And we see that other places in the Bible. Mm -hmm. David's. Walking to and fro in his place. You know, Nebuchadnezzar is walking on the roof of his he's they're they're strolling around going, This is yep, mine. This, this is mine. mine. Yeah. That's and I think that's what we're saying here. And as as we as we as we move into eight also, when we have the the uh, the prosperity gospel, and then there's a touch of irony in um twenty-one and twenty-two where Bill Dad is basically he's saying um, you know, if if you do all these good things, mm -hmm. then eventually, you know, God will fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouting. And again, this assumption that if you do the right things, everything will be happy for you. Uh, let me read just a, the beginning 
of Psalms 22, which it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? The words of my groaning. Oh, my God, I pray by Cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Okay, so if you've done any reading in the Bible, you will recognize where those words mm-hmm. show up again. Yeah. And so the assumption of like, well, if you were doing the right thing, you'd be happy all the time, yeah. is that's not true. And ironically, it comes true for Job later, but it's not because of Job's doing he job as far as i can tell as we read this job doesn't change he doesn't show up and say oh okay like there i cheated on my taxes and i just did i didn't i didn't want to come clean on that mm-hmm. but now that i've come clean on it god can bless me right i don't ever see that moment yeah. god just shows up at the end of the questioning and says all right test is over um job i'm gonna you know reinstate you job didn't change who he was or what he was doing ever so he was he was blessed. Then Satan was allowed to have his hand on him, and then God blessed him again. And Job's like a, kind of a straight line through this whole thing. So this idea of like, well, if you only did good, then then just only good things would happen to you, is blown apart both by Job's behavior, by what happens to him, by the psalmist, by the life of Jesus, and I I think that if if, if, as tradition says, Job is an early book, this sets the foundation, and it's important that Job chapter 1 is in there. This sets the foundation for what happens in the rest of the New Old Testament. Is these God-did-it things? We might need to just make a okay, note to self. We've seen that as, quote, God did it. Sometimes the ruler of this world did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, I think, should inform as we read other things. Yeah. So oftentimes we hear this word patience and we often hear it connected with Job, the patience of Job. So Eric recently learned something interesting about the word patience and as far as like different languages from around the world and the different sort of nuances that can be allocated to a word. And he came up with an interesting one on patience, which I would like him to tell us. Well, it's it's one take on many, but it really, really, really changed my perspective on the word patience. It was somebody was doing a little bit of an exposition on the Sanskrit, which is ancient um, Indian, um, India Indian, uh, to what their word patience implies instead of a time, instead of a clock thing. It's like, well, I'm I'm here and, you know, I don't get the thing I want for another 20, Christmas is coming up, right? Okay, so patience is just waiting. It's just drumming our fingers until December 25. Mm -hmm. It's a time thing. And the Sanskrit, as this this gentleman um, shared, has has more of a conceptual meaning of knowing how it turns out ultimately. And that is a very different, it's a matter of when, but it's not having a time as to when, but knowing, you know what, that's how this thing's going to turn out. And for me, as I, as I step back, and it's hard, I'm not going to say it's easy, as I step back and say, ultimately, I know how this is going to turn out. You know, mm-hmm. red revelation, red Isaiah. And it turns out good. God wins. 
you know, and so that idea of peace and that idea of patience, not based on time that we're obsessed with in the West, is a big deal because the Bible, when it speaks of time over and over and over, I challenge you if you're looking at home, just go into, I like um, Bible Hub, um, I think it's .net, and just type in with quotes around it, you know, the, the right time and see what shows up. God over and over and over and over says things will happen at just the right time. And he's not talking about like on the clock. Yeah. He's like, when it's the right time for these things to happen, these things will happen and they will. So to me, the way that applies to this is, you know, Job is like, he's down in the details of his situation. Cause he's there. He would, you know, he's like the, the, these months of futility. My life is months of futility. So he's been, he's actually been there for a while. Yeah. But but his his perspective, it, it, it doesn't have patience in it because he is immersed in those details. Right. And so in order to have the patience that he ultimately dis, ultimately displays and, and we all you know, know the course of the book, he has to get out of the, the frame of mind where he is the only reference point. He has to pull back and look at the wider view. And instead of being anxious about his situation and the misery and the anxiety of it, he has to look at the bigger picture and say, is God in control or is he not? And, and if he is, then, then you can let go of that little steering wheel and you can just kind of like, okay. And I think he does see that bigger picture when he basically says, you know, listen, I'm going to go into the dirt and I'm yeah. okay with that. Yeah. But I know in my flesh, yep. I will see God. Yes. Yeah. So regardless of what you guys are telling me, mm-hmm. friend number one, friend number two, that's right. At this point, he's saying, I know where I'm at with God. Yeah, he doesn't doubt that. Yeah. And yeah. so I think he does. I think he captivates the whole patience thing right then. He knows what happens in the end. Yeah. And yet, and that's where I think you get that patience and the faith. And the peace. Mm-hmm. And that, the peace. That everyone is like wanting. Peace being ultimately knowing how it turns out because there's a huge right. difference because we've said, you know, Oh, he's in anguish because of his physical and, uh, you know, financial and family problems and his own mental problems. But when you touch on mental problems, how difficult is it? And I attribute this to the devil. Is it to have things going relatively okay and then be in mental anguish? Oh, I think it happens it's, all the time. And, oh, it absolutely happens all the time. And that really is no better because if you're in mental anguish because of problem X, Y, Z, you're in mental anguish and it's not good and it's not okay. And I don't take that lightly. But if you have the the mindset and I don't mean self-imposed, I mean, if if anybody knows anything about depression or has has struggled with it, this isn't like a, Hey, I'll choose that. That looks fun. If you have that, you have that, whether you've got money in the bank or whether you've got, you know, other the greatest going family, on, the greatest family. If you have that same mental anguish, and no place to put the and, blame, and 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 that's where I'm going with this, is and you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe that's a better way to put the patience of Job instead of like, oh yeah, it's like that's well, what I was I know, getting. I just at. Walk. Yeah. It's like if you know that the light at the end of the tunnel, however long that tunnel is, mm-hmm. is hope and it is restoration and it is Job saying, I will see God in my flesh. That makes everything different because if you've got everything, everything seems great. And we see this to, in our culture right now. It seems like every week there's another K-pop star taking their own life. Right. And 
and Americans, uh, you know, these famous bloggers and, 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 and uh, YouTubers and these people with lots of money and lots of followers and lots of fame taking their own life. Really? Because right. if, if fame and fortune and popularity is enough, what's that about? Right. Right. It, I think it's about the light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah. that's a hope that God provides that we see in an ultimate destination that doesn't have to do with where we are. That where we are right now doesn't change the light at the end of the tunnel. Let me say it that way. And which does not in any way diminish the difficulty, the struggles, the pain that we're in right now. doesn't diminish it, but it changes everything. It's the hope. It is. But, it is. but you have to know that. And I think yes, sometimes, yes. And sometimes they don't have that hope. Yes. But it also brings me back. But what can separate you from the love of God? Yeah. You know, and so it's and yet the person going through an intense struggle is right now the love isn't enough. I need relief, right? And that's where it can get exhausting. I have I have a friend, I've been friends with her since we were teenagers in college, and she used to say openly, and she said this well into her 30s, in fact, and I'm sure now into her 40s, she said flat out the she she suffered from depression, chemical depression, not situational depression, chemical depression. And everything she tried wasn't enough or it would skew her mood so much a different way that it was just like you're picking your you're picking your plate of trauma. You know, just stick with what you already know how to handle is what it ended up being. She told me flat out for decades, the only reason I haven't killed myself is because I believe in God. Because I believe that ultimately there will be a solution and that I am simply one small tendril of sin's effect. Well, so that shift in perspective was enough for her. If she hadn't had that, she would have been, absolutely been another suicide statistic. Because yeah. there's no light at the end of her tunnel. Yeah, that's where Job is. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to move ahead here. And, um, okay. So I got a question got, for you. Yeah, go nine. Yep, go. 9.15, Job asks, though I'm in the right, I cannot answer him. I must appeal for mercy to my accuser. Uh, and it's interesting to notice my judge, which, although accuser implies Satan, judge implies God. Um, so I'm asking this question. Was Job in the right? Well, it's interesting. The New King James says, for though I were righteous. So I read that as if I were in the right, I wouldn't. Or I say even if I were in the right. And now that's him admitting a blame here. But even if I were in the right. How could I possibly go up against God? You know, I think it's all in definition, because if you look back, you know, how he was um, described, blameless and upright. Well, to me, blameless says, you know, he's not doing anything to to warrant this at this point. But if you go back, you know, it's just knowing God and knowing that, you know, listen, I know I'm not perfect. Yeah, he says I know two. I'm going to sin. Mm-hmm. Well, he says in two, you know, though, how can a man be in the right before God? Mm-hmm. So he goes back and forth here, and it's, I, yeah. I, know, I, I think it's more like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying. You know, yeah. that's all I can do every single day. But I know that God is enough. That's all I need. I'm curious about the original language of this, because I'm looking at my parallel here. And it's translated different ways. So NIV, though I were innocent. New King James, for though I were righteous. New, now here we get to a couple of paraphrases. New Living Translation, 
even if I were right, I would have no defense. And then the message, even though I am innocent, I could never prove it. See? So, like, where is the original language? Is there some nuance going on there that people struggle to capture in English? Or is are we seeing interpretation opinion? I think, you know we, what I mean? I think, I think it's the opinion. Because if you look at 14, and you know, to me, it's like, how do I choose my words? Mm-hmm. I think it's, yeah, it, it's almost that play on words. If I were righteous, well, blameless and upright. But right. once again, if I were, because apparently I think there's something there, that small seed in the back of his head that's planted there that's, you know, did I do something? Why, Lord? You know, if it's something that I did, just show it to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll Because I think yeah. just back when we were talking about, like, even intercessions, I know they probably did something wrong, and I'm going to go up in front of the throne anyway. Yeah. Because, you know, I just want to, you know, not to make light of it, but feel almost like I want to cover all my bases. Yeah. I want to do what I can, even though I know it's not enough. I want to put in the effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All of chapter nine to me looks like Job saying, how can I possibly compare myself to God? Sure. Which is Mm -hmm. a wonderful perspective. Mm Mm-hmm. And so whether or not he's considering himself, I'm not so sure. I think he's considering himself innocent of whatever might have caused such a thing, but it not seems nec- pretty dramatic. But yet not necessarily, he's not necessarily saying I've never done anything wrong. He's just saying, I don't know what I've done to deserve this. Yeah. Look at the scale of what he suffered. You would yeah. expect that to be a big sin. Well, he continues if you, if you that. you do with the equation that way. And that word righteous, I mean, that's quite the word to use. I don't know that I would ever use that word for myself. Well, keeping in mind that largely through the Old Testament, righteous does not mean I have earned mm-hmm. salvation. Yeah. Righteous means doing the right thing at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's a very different thing. It's um, it's more of a societal, um, it's kind of like do the right thing. You know, it's... Uh, that's that's my understanding through through the old th- the majority of the Old Testament. If you if you were to substitute doing the right thing mm-hmm. for righteousness, it makes way more sense because there's a lot of context in which it's like this isn't even referring to you know to any kind of salvational thing at all. Right. Well, James says that in, in the book of James, he says if you know that you should do something and you don't, that is sin to you. Yeah. So, so he's not talking about the Ten Commandments. Well, but I'm wondering if that's what he's meaning by it. You know, I've made my sacrifices. I've made my intercession prayers, you know, daily, like you were saying, yeah. every morning. You know, and I think, once again, if you go to 20, he's still in that area with, uh, yeah. he's kind of saying, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If my, though I were righteous, yeah. with my own mouth innocent. would condemn me. Yeah. So he's almost saying, I tried, but there's still that little, yeah. I still don't know. And keep in mind, this is all in uh, though response. I were, though it's I all in blameless. response to Bildad's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bildad's, you must have done something wrong. And he's saying, look, even if I had, even if I hadn't done anything wrong, I'm, st- how, how yes. would I possibly compare myself to God? Something could still be there that I may, in my human nature, have overlooked, you know. Yeah, so he goes, he, he plays that forward in 10 2. Um, I'll say to God, do not condemn me. So he's asking not to be condemned here. Let me know why you contend against me. And I think that that's at the core um, 
of a lot of, of his things. You know, you skip down to 10.7. Although you know I am not guilty. You know, he, he goes on, your hands fashioned me. You know, you made me. You gave me life and steadfast love. It's interesting he's still saying that. Mm-hmm. You granted me life and steadfast love. Your care has preserved my spirit. These things you've hidden in my heart. I know that was your purpose. And he keeps asking why. And as I recall, as we go forward, and we'll have to take a look at this, God doesn't condemn him for asking why. Correct. Now, he doesn't answer the why, right. except in chapter 1, which we don't know if Job ever got to read. Yeah. But um, Job keeps asking why, and God does not condemn him for asking why. But could that be his expression of faith? That he's just well, saying, so because if he'd given up, he would just say, I'm out. And he show, show me why, because I'm I'm ready to do what it takes to build this relationship back. Yeah, well, I think so. He keeps going on, you know, if I'm this is in 1015, if I'm guilty, woe to me. If I'm in the right, I can't lift up my head, for I'm filled with disgrace. And back to the shame honor thing. So he's he's saying, you know, hey, look, even if I was right, you know, what could I say? Mm-hmm. So he understands a little bit of what God gets to later. Um, yeah. yeah. No, but I think look at if you look at 928, I am afraid of all my sufferings. I know that you will not hold me innocent. You know, in light of everything that's going on, I'm you know, I I'm almost thinking he's thinking I'm worried this this could get worse. Before well, it gets a, better. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think anybody who really knows themselves could never think that they would stand before their creator and be like, no, I'm good. I'm fine. Go ahead. Dig through all the recesses in my brain. You won't find any problems in there. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So, and this is where it comes down to there's, you know, there's overt sin and then there's a state of sin, right? And I think when it comes down to this kind of misery, which he's trying so hard to sort out. We end up just being like, and and yet, even though I can't think of anything I've done wrong, I live in a state of sin. And because of that, I can never actually stand up and say, no, I'm innocent. I'm good. You can't point your finger at me. Yeah. So Job, Job definitely understands that he is subservient to God here. But then we get another one of Job's friends. Zophar, he comes in mm-hmm. briefly 11. in 11, and he starts he starts right in, and he's like, what does he say in 6? Let's see. He says, um, know therefore that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. Like, oh my, my gosh, how can you sit there looking at your friend for a week, sitting there quietly watching him suffer, and then tell him, you're not, you're not even getting what you deserve. Oh my, that is... It, it is it's terrible, but in, the, in, a, in a sense... In an ironic way, it's true. Yes. Because what does God owe us? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, four, uh, four, five, and six in chapter 11. You say to God, my beliefs are flawless and I am pure in your sight. Oh, how I wish that God would speak, that he would open his lips against you and disclose to you the secrets of wisdom. For true wisdom has two sides. Know this, God has even forgotten some of your sin. <laughs> Man. Okie dokie. Yeah. So Zophar gets into his thing. I mean, he starts out in 11.2, like every keyboard warrior on the internet. Yep. <laughs> a multitude of words go unanswered. Is that, I'm, I'm, you're wrong. I'm on this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Multitudes of words can go unanswered. That's the answer to that question. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
So, um, I mean, it's it's kind of a lot of the same thing here with Zofar. You've you you've done something. You deserve something. You're not getting what you deserve. Um, you deserve more than you've gotten. Yeah, and in 14, if iniquity is your hand, in your hand, put it far away. Yeah. Yeah, don't and then me. free of fault, you will lift up your face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then Job in 12, um, he gets more into... Oh, 12 too is like, he's like, wow, he is laying it on them. He's like, oh, no doubt, you are the people. And yeah. wisdom will die with you. Like, oh, what's, <laughs> once you're gone, I guess, like, there's no more wisdom in the world. You are clearly so smart. You know, don't you love for, for I am the one mocked by my friends. Yeah. It's so like, yeah. the New Living Translation of this is great. I have to read it really quick. I know we're coming up on time. Yep. You people really know everything, don't you? And when you die, wisdom will die with you. Well, I know a few things myself, and you're no better than I am. <laughs> Who doesn't know these things that you've been saying? Yet my friends laugh at me. Yeah, the way I wrote that down is like, I, my notes here just says, I'm not stupid. <laughs> uh, oh, my. Just to... Finally, just I have. Thanks I've for coming to hang out, guys. I've kind of had it with you guys, and then he goes into one, two. I mean, th- yeah, three chapters of discourse. We're only going to touch here in twelve, just to get started, and we'll continue with it more next week. But you know, he's like, "You guys, you guys are mocking me. I haven't done anything here. You're acting like you're so smart, and and you really don't know my situation. I mean, like what Tracy was saying last week, especially if if their financial status was different than Job's. And he's like, you guys have no idea what I have lost. You have, you, you can't comprehend what this feels like to me. Um, and in, 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 uh, let's see, seven through 10, I, my notes say that nature is going to tell you that God creates and sustains. This is, this is simple. This is a simple thing to understand. All you have to do is look at nature and you can see that God has made it and God is sustaining it and that he's in charge of it, of it all. And then 12, uh, wisdom is with aged men and women. I'll, I'll include you, Karen. Among the aged? Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> stop. Stop right now, man. This is why I hang out. You know, I try. I try with this woman. And uh, but wisdom, wisdom comes from experience, basically, is what he's saying. <laughs> and from master's, master's degrees. Uh, <laughs> What he said, but so wisdom comes from experience. But then he says, God has ultimate wisdom and strength. And my final note here is if God wants something done, it is going to happen. If he wants it, it will happen. And there's nothing that is going to be able to stop. Nothing you say, nothing I say, nothing we do is going to change God's mind in any of that. So, um, any final thoughts before we close it for the week? Hmm, that's a good thought from the master over here. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we will stop there for this week and uh, we'll continue next week into chapter 13. And we are going to kick it up a little bit. We're going to get all the way to chapter 24 this week. So uh, prepare for next week. Start reading chapter 13 through 24. Uh, hope you'll join us then. Uh, May God bless you, and we hope to talk to you next week.